feel like I owe the lectors at both services an apology for saddling you with that reading. It is um, very early in the morning for anyone to have to say the phrase, children of whoredom. But I couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk about this odd text from the book of Hosea. We don't talk about the prophet Hosea very often, probably for good reason. It's a strange story, it's a strange book. Hosea might well have been a real historical figure. He lived in northern Israel in the 8th century BC in the last days before the kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrians. It was a time of fear, instability. Many of the people were leaving the traditional faith, the worship of the God of Israel, and beginning to worship Baal, the God of their neighbors. Some continued to worship the God of Israel, but started sacrificing to Baal on the side just to cover the bases. Kings after kings took power by force and were assassinated. Treaties were made and broken. Israel was desperately looking for security anywhere they could find it, anywhere except in God. In this context, the text tells us, the word of the Lord came to Hosea, and commanded him to marry a woman who would break his heart. A woman that the text unhelpfully calls a wife of whoredom. One of the ways that prophets communicated in the ancient world was through symbolic actions. The prophet Isaiah walked around naked and barefoot, the text tells us, for three years in order to warn the people of Israel that they also could be left with nothing if they didn't return to God. The prophet Ezekiel built a tiny model of the city of Jerusalem and then crushed it in order to show what would happen to the city. And so Hosea is told to communicate with the people of Israel through the same kind of symbolic action. He's to marry a woman that he will truly love, knowing that she will be repeatedly unfaithful to him. And so he does it. He marries the unfortunately named Gomer, and the story goes that he does it knowing what will happen. So he gives her a home. They have children. There's love. But she leaves him over and over again to pursue other men. And the abandonment's public. Hosea has to deal not only with his own grief and anger, but also with public shame. Eventually, The wife's new boyfriend would reject her. She would return again to Hosea, who would take her back and love her again. And this whole drama is played out in front of the people of Israel so that they can see an enactment of their relationship with God. Hosea is demonstrating, he's incarnating the fierce, brokenhearted, unconditional love that God has for us. The love that God has For Israel, the people whom God had brought out of Egypt and established in the promised land, only to see them run after other gods. And the love that God has for us, the people whom God creates, sustains, cries over, only to see us run after our own idols. Because that's what human beings do. It's what all of us do. We run after anything that we think will bring us love, peace, security. Hosea's wife thinks that a new relationship will make, us, will make her safe and happy. 
Israel thinks that Baal will make the crops grow. And we grab onto all kinds of things. An idol can be anything that we count on to bring us happiness and safety that isn't God. So what are some of the examples of idols that we might run after? Any thoughts? Money is a big one. Money is a source of security, of protection. The others? Uh, pardon? Jobs, I heard. That's a big one. Things, material wealth is a sort of hedge against insecurity. Power, power and prestige, status, being well thought of. That can make us feel safe for a while. How about doing the right thing? Sometimes I think we feel that if we do the right thing, if we stay perfectly between the lines, then we'll be safe. Others, being liked, close to status and power, can be an idol that we seek. Worry, if I worry about this enough, if I'm anxious enough about this, I'll be safe. It will prevent what I'm worrying about from happening. We all have our own idols. Through Hosea, God is trying to show us that putting trust in these things is like leaving a relationship of trust and love to run after someone who doesn't love us and will ultimately reject us. Our idols promise us love and security, but in the end, they can't deliver. We find that deep peace and joy, the really good stuff, the stuff that can sustain us for a lifetime only in relationship with God. Our nation feels a little bit like Israel to me right now. The ground's shifting under our feet. These are really frightening times. We're realizing that we're less safe than we thought we were. We're less economically secure, perhaps, than we might have thought we were. There are new voices claiming a place at the table, and we might like some more than others. It feels like everything is changing and not for the better. And in the midst of all of that uncertainty, all of that anxiety, anxiety that's real and that's a real response to what we're facing, we have a choice. We can run after the next idol, something or someone that promises to make it all better. That idol might be a political candidate from either party. It might be the illusion that none of this stuff will affect us, that we can be safe here. We might double down on our pursuit of material wealth or prestige. Indignation, we were talking about, can be an idol. Self-righteousness can be an idol in a time of anxiety. We can choose an idol or we can put our trust in God. Trusting God is by far the harder choice. Idols are a lot more concrete, a lot more comforting in the short term. Following Jesus is much harder. But ultimately, God is the only one who will never let us down. And the way of the cross is the way of life and peace. Hosea showed the people of Israel, shows all of us, that we run after idols when we have real love and peace waiting for us at home. But Hosea also shows us that when we run away, as we inevitably do, God doesn't wait passively and angrily for us to figure out the error of our ways and come home. When his wife leaves home for the last time, we learn Hosea goes out to find her. 
He walks the streets until he tracks her down, and then he pleads with her to return home. He promises her forgiveness. Finally, he talks her into going with him out to the place outside the city gates where couples used to go courting. She's been humiliated by her most recent adventure, and Hosea is tempted to shame her again. But he loves her. And so he says in chapter 2, Therefore I will now persuade her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. From there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of despair into a door of hope. On that day, Hosea says, She will call me my husband and no longer my Baal. Hosea will welcome his wife home with kind words and with gifts. And after they're reconciled, his wife will no longer call him Baal, which in addition to being the name of the neighbor's God, was also the word for Lord, the term that women were forced to use for their husbands in order to indicate subordination. Instead, she'll call him husband, the word that means partner. Through this ordeal, the relationship between Hosea and his wife changes from one of subordination into one of mutuality. After this ordeal, Hosea and his wife face the world together as equals. In the same way, God speaks through Hosea to promise us that when we wander away and trust idols, God doesn't wait judgmentally for us to get hurt and come limping home. God goes out looking for us. God seeks us out. Think about that for a moment. We may be looking for God, but God's also looking for us. That's how fierce and how passionate and particular God's love is for each one of us. Every time one of our idols breaks our hearts, because they always do, God goes looking for us. And when God finds us, there's not anger. God doesn't punish. Instead, God offers not to be Baal, but to be husband. God uses our painful experiences as an opportunity to move us more deeply into a relationship of mutuality and partnership. Hosea is a strange book, but in it we see a God who loves us enough to seek us when we wander off. We see a God who loves us fiercely, jealously even. And in these anxious times, we can choose to follow idols or we can choose to trust that God, the only one who will never let us down. Amen.